0: Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. Hey there, welcome back Bible Center family. It's so great to have you here. Love joining with you on wor- in worship, either on TV or online. If you're new here, I'm Matt, the lead pastor. Would love to connect with you next time our paths cross. We like to say here at Bible Center that we're a family expecting guests. And so if you're joining us on TV or if you're joining us online as a guest, our prayer is that we can connect and can leave as friends Please open your Bible or your Bible app to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, is where we're going to be. And while you're turning there, I want to take just a moment to say thank you and to thank our board here at Bible Center for the opportunity to to be away for the month of June. Having been here now more than five years, they gifted our family with a month sabbatical. And it was just great. It was great to go camping with our son up in the northern part of the state. It was great to go to Disney World and, and enjoy that with our daughters. It was great to sit with Sarah and just relax on the beach Uh, We had a wonderful time, a lot of time for journaling, a lot of time for contemplation and prayer and reconnection as family and with the Lord. And so thank you for being so understanding. But I also want to thank so many of you who've reached out after the passing of my sister. My sister, 38 years of age, unexpectedly passed away uh, of an unexpected illness and uh, at the end of may and it was just devastating for our family and so many of you have reached out with kind words either on social media or on, with cards or emails and so i want to thank you for that i i can't say that we are completely healed i'm learning that really through grief we aren't going to be completely healed on this side of heaven But I can say that the Lord is beginning to heal our hearts as we go on this journey together. And I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul's words, who says that even we as Christians, we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. We have the hope of resurrection. And so again, I want to thank you, continue in prayer for my parents, continue in prayer for my sisters, three children, and we'll trust that the Lord does good things in their hearts and lives in the days ahead. We're in the middle of a nine-week series entitled Reset, and if you missed the first two messages, I want to invite you to go back and listen to both of those messages. Pastor Ryan and Pastor Mike uh, preached message one and two in the series, and I listened to them both. They were both a blessing. I learned something from both messages, and I was encouraged and challenged by both messages. One of the best ways to get those messages is on the app. If you download the Bible Center app, You'll see those sermons there. Just click on the reset button and you'll actually see the entire series, all the sermon notes. And so I trust that'll be a benefit and a help to you. We're using this book. The book is entitled Reset. We're using this book as the springboard for our series. Of course, all of our messages here come from the Word of God. Uh, but we're actually following along with the topics of the chapters this summer. And so you if you want to know what chapter or topic... Uh, we're going to be looking at next weekend and the weekend after, I would encourage you to pick up and follow along and read that book. It was fall of 2006 and President Bush's mission accomplished was turning into mission impossible as the United States was slowly yet surely losing the Iraq war. General George Casey was a persisting in the bloody handover strategy despite the engulfing disaster. Marine General Peter Pace, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he was desperate. And looking for a new strategy, he invited the retired Army General Jack Keane to a crisis meeting. He wanted advice from anywhere he could get it. Keene was blisteringly frank and direct. He said, I would give you a failing grade. Visibly pained at General Pace, asked, he said, well, what do you think we should be doing instead? Keene's advice to General Pace was startling, and I quote, you should tell General Casey to reduce his workload and take time off every day. He went on, George Casey is at this 24-7. He has nothing to nurture his life. He is completely immersed and isolated by one thing and only one thing. War. It has completely captured everything he does. His capacity at times seems to be uh, limited and defined by his day-in, day-out experiences and the fatigue that he suffers. Journalist Bob Woodward, who documented the encounter in his book, The War Within, The Secret White House History, wrote this of the event. He said, King suggested that General Pace compare the current U.S. generals to the World War II generals, General Douglas MacArthur, specifically, who watched a movie every night, or to Army Chief of Staff George Marshall, who went home every night and, at a reasonable hour and rode a horse and sometimes took a nap for an hour and a half during the day. And these guys, he writes, were doing big, important things but do you know what our guys are like? They're at their desks at 6.30 in the morning and they stay up working past midnight. The core issue is fresh, clear thinking about the tasks of war. Now think of that with me. Here you have a retired four-star general, former chief of staff to the U.S. Army and Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, and he's telling us to take more time for recreation. Specifically, in regard to war, his opinion is that recreation and hobby are the only way to keep a sharp mind and the only way to win. Now, assuming that's true, let me ask you this. How are you doing in the recreation and hobby department of life? How are you doing in the recreation and hobby department of life? Or more specifically, how are you doing in the war of life? Life can feel like a battle. It can feel like a war. How are you doing in the war of life? Are you as effective as you want to be? Are you as sharp as you want to be? Are you growing like you want to be growing? Now, to be completely transparent, prior to my vacation, I would have had to say no to all four of those questions. To each of those questions, I would have had to be honest and admit that there were some unhealthy rhythms in my heart and in my life where I wasn't getting the rest I needed and the exercise I needed and putting things in the priorities where they needed to be. And so on my vacation, the Holy Spirit did a work in my heart, and I'm praying that He does the same thing in your heart today. I needed this message As a matter of fact, I still need this message, and I believe you need this message, whether you be a single mom, a student, a senior saint, or a skeptic, whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Christian, I believe today's message is worth the price of your attention. Jesus is holding out the gift of hope, the gift of satisfaction. He's holding out the gift of being able to wake up in the morning with purpose, with energy, He's holding out the gift of of being able to go to bed at night without anxious thoughts and depressing thoughts or even suicidal thoughts. And so today's message is very simple, but I trust that you'll find it extremely impactful. I'm going to give you one thing that God wants you to know and one thing that I want you to do. One thing that God wants you to know and one thing that I want you to do, and then I'll conclude with with a few suggestions on how we can live this out in life. Look with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18-20. through 20. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them... To accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Here's the big idea. Here's the one thing I believe God wants you to know from this message. You take the whole message and summarize it into this sentence. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have a hobby. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have a A hobby. Now think with me for a moment. What's a hobby? A hobby is something we pursue apart from our regular occupation that's meant for our enjoyment or recreation. A hobby might be art or astronomy, blogging or baseball, craft or cryptocurrency, dancing or decorating, fishing or furniture making, genealogies or gymnastics, karaoke or kung fu, Legos or listening to music, mechanics or a musical instrument, painting or powerlifting, stamp collecting or Sudoku, tennis or taxidermy, watching TV or wood carving. My hobbies tend to change with the different seasons of life. Right now, my hobbies seem to be reading. I love to go camping. I love to go hiking. Sometimes I carry a gun when I'm hiking during hunting season, and so I don't really call myself a hunter because I never seem to get anything, but I'm a hiker who carries a gun maybe one day will be a hunter. I love to kayak. I'm learning to golf again. I think you could say that a couple of my hobbies have emerged with the interests of my son Uh, Fortnite and Minecraft are becoming hobbies. Let me ask you to take a moment and think through what are your hobbies. Maybe you jot them down in the memos of your phone, or if you're following along with the notes on the Bible Center app, you could type in what your hobbies are, even as you watch this. If you're watching online, right there in the comments section, maybe you post, I encourage you to post What your hobbies are, what are your indoor hobbies, your outdoor hobbies, your educational hobbies, whatever it is. Would you post those there? I always love to see the creative nature of friends. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have a hobby. Let's look a little deeper at our text, Ephesians 5:18. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat and to drink. And to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Now, the word observed fits in perfectly with the theme of Ecclesiastes. This is a book of observation, it's part of the Old Testament wisdom literature, just like the book of Proverbs. The book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, these aren't books that are necessarily filled with promises but they're filled with observations. In the wisdom literature, we learn how life works most of the time. 38 times in this book, the writer says that life is fleeting like a vapor or a puff of smoke. Like smoke, life appears to be solid, but when we reach out to grab on the life, often it just goes through our fingers. There's almost like there's nothing there. Now, there's certainly a lot of beauty and a lot of goodness in this life, but we all know too well that in a moment's notice, tragedy can strike and all that goodness and all that beauty can seem to go away. Life is unpredictable, life is unstable like a vapor or smoke. Therefore, the writer of Ecclesiastes encourages us, he he challenges us with some very forceful language not to invest our emotions, not to invest our energy into things that are going to easily dissipate. He encourages us not to be so narrowly focused on our career or wealth or status or pleasure that we forget the bigger picture of life. Now, the writer of Ecclesiastes certainly has much to say about working hard. In chapter 9, he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. And so work hard at your career, work hard at your family, work hard at all that God has given you to do. But in the process, he balances that multiple times in the book of Ecclesiastes with the encouragement to stop and smell the roses, to enjoy the blessings of life, to see all of life as a gift from God, whether it be a friendship, a family member, a good meal, or a sunny day. He encourages us to enjoy our life as we experience it, not as we think it ought to be. So really, in summary, the book of Ecclesiastes is all about seeing life as gift, not gain. Gift, not gain. The happiest people you think of the happiest people in your life. The happiest people are open-handed, open-hearted people who don't try to force their own life, but instead they live day by day, they receive life as a gift, and they hold their plans loosely in case God has something better to give along the way. And I'm finding that the happiest people in life aren't afraid to take some time off from time to time or frequently and enjoy hobbies and recreation. The Holy Spirit, inspiring the book of Ecclesiastes, also tells us this is appropriate. We see that it's appropriate. If you're taking notes, the word appropriate can be translated fitting, but it can also be translated beautiful. In chapter 3 and verse 11 of Ecclesiastes, the same Hebrew word is translated beautiful. And so if we're thinking a little more with the artistic side of our brain, we could say, this is what I have observed to be good, that it is beautiful for a person to enjoy these things. He goes on to say in chapter 5, verse 19, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. So recreation and hobbies are gifts from the Lord. Now it's easy for us to think that we're a self-made man or a self-made woman. Maybe it's easy for us for you to think that, that you have earned your way to where you are today. Maybe through hard work, you've built your career, or through hard work, you've taken care of your health. But the truth of the matter is, even the very heart that beats in your chest is a gift from God. The energy to go to work came from God. The energy to build your health came from God. The time, the resources, the lucky breaks, the mentors, the wisdom, all of this came from the Lord, and it is a gift and because it's a gift, God invites us to enjoy it, to find happiness in it. He emphasizes enjoyment and happiness in verse 19. This fits well with even what the New Testament has to say about enjoying the gifts of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, or to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So certainly we don't make things our God, but the Bible doesn't teach us not to enjoy things. it's just to not let them be Gods. Instead, we remember that they're gifts. First Timothy. Chapter 4 and verse 4 says, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So this summer, it is totally okay for you to enjoy a kayak adventure, a game of Little League baseball, riding bikes, walking in the park, watching TV, going to see the Cincinnati Reds. I don't recommend going to see the, the Pittsburgh Pirates, but Cincinnati Reds, that's okay. Going trout fishing, visiting Kings Island or Cedar Point, or enjoying some of our West Virginia festivals. It's a beautiful thing, beautiful, is literally the word he uses for you to enjoy a drive through Pocahontas County with your family, or to go see Big John's family fixins at Canaan Valley. Then he says this in verse 20. Ecclesiastes 5.20, talking about those who live contented lives, they seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Now, the writer isn't advocating for an unreflective or laissez-faire attitude of life. No, he's teaching us that truly contented people refuse to allow the darker realities of life to overshadow the divine blessings. When a person knows that God is God, he or she doesn't dwell on only the troubles of life. Now, there are many other places in the Bible that teach us to not be afraid to look at the troubles of life, to go head-to-head, eyeball-to-eyeball, and look grief in the face. Often, the psalmist wrote about his grief as much as he wrote about his joy, And so again, the Bible's not telling us to have this this blinded view of life that's ignorant to the harsh realities. No, we've got to look at those as Christians and bring the gospel into those harsh realities. But as Christians, he has called us to think on things that are good, on things that are pure, on things that are hopeful, the book of Philippians tells us. Think with me for a moment. What good is it for you to to have a boat if you never take the time to enjoy it? What good is it for you to have a motorcycle or a four-wheeler or a kayak or a camper if you never have time to enjoy it? What good is it for you to have a tent or a fire pit in your backyard or a front porch or a back porch or a beach house or a set of golf clubs if you never take the time to enjoy them? You know, this text reminds me of a lot of Andrew Bernard's words from the, the show, The Office. He said, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you actually left them. Michael Iaconelli, in his book, Dangerous Wonder, writes this. He says, Play is an expression of God's presence in the world. One clear sign of God's absence in society is the absence of playfulness and Laughter. Play is not an escape, it is the way to release the life smothering grip of busyness, stress, and anxiety. Roald Dahl writes this in his book, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator A little nonsense now and then is cherished by the wisest of men. So sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have a hobby. Really, what we're looking at today is the theology of hobby. The theology, the spiritual nature of our hobbies and recreation. They are gifts from God meant to be enjoyed. Now, I said I would have one thing, one encouragement for you to do, and it's very simple. Here's the encouragement find a hobby. Find a hobby. Maybe for you, that's identifying a hobby that you used to have or that you've always wanted to have or something you've kind of dabbled in, find a hobby. Maybe for you, it's simply starting from scratch. It's something you've never done before, but it's something that you would love to do, find a hobby. I'm going to give you several categories, different kinds of hobbies, and there are more categories than this. But let me give you the first one, find a hobby, to enjoy the body God gave you. Find a hobby to enjoy the body God gave you. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, bodily exercise is of some value. Now, godliness, we know, is of more value, but godly, or exercise, is of some value. Maybe you don't like exercise. I get it. I went almost all of 2020 Having written exercise out of my vocabulary. And I've got a long way to go to catch back up. But when you think about exercise, if there's if you feel that you don't like any kind of exercise, think of it this way. Think of it like a child who says he or she doesn't like to read. When our son tells us that he doesn't like to read, we tell him, no, you just haven't found the kind of books that you enjoy reading yet. And we really do believe that we're gonna find the right kind of books. That he is going to enjoy reading. And maybe you haven't found the kind of exercise that you enjoy yet. Something that breathes life into your soul. I read this week that 30 minutes of exercise, getting the heart rate up and working up a sweat, just three to five times a week facilitates the uptake of oxygen in our circulatory systems. It strengthens our muscular system. It can fight heart disease. Lower blood pressure and hypertension. Decrease bad cholesterol and increase good cholesterol. Improves our moods. Exercise helps to excel or expel unhelpful chemicals from our systems and stimulate helpful chemicals. Exercise strengthens the brain. Research has shown that walking just two miles a day reduces the risk of cognitive decline and dementia by 60%. Exercising three to five times per week is as effective as antidepressants for mild to moderate depression. We have all sorts of opportunities, ways to exercise. The way you exercise doesn't have to be like the person who's sitting next to you or your friend, the way he or she exercises. You can exercise by walking or jogging around your neighborhood, by swimming at your local pool, by buying some home exercise equipment or joining one of our fitness gyms in the area. We have a myriad of choices. This is something over the month of June the Lord has really spoken to my heart about, and I feel his invitation to get out and to get some fresh air. Almost every morning for the last month I've enjoyed about a two-mile walk, and it has been life-giving. Whatever it is for you, let me encourage you to enjoy a hobby that exercises your body. Number two, find a hobby to enjoy the mind God gave you. Find a hobby to enjoy the mind God gave you. Now, the word recreation is one of those words we use without maybe thinking about what it means. The word recreation actually comes from two words, recreation, recreate. So essentially, Just as God used his imagination to create this world, recreation by nature is something that we do to create something else. We take the elements that God has given and we recreate them. It's part of establishing dominion, establishing order, just like God called Adam and Eve to do. Have you ever crafted anything? Have you ever created anything? Have you ever designed or built anything Whether it be a house or a birdhouse, a car or a model car, a solid oak bookcase or an Ikea bookcase, God has hardwired us to take dominion. Actually, in a moment, I'll show you a picture. I found a picture this week of the typical American dad standing over his lawn after he mows the grass. I thought you would enjoy this picture. Here it is. The typical American dad standing over his lawn after he mows the grass. My wife laughs because I'll stand multiple times in the evening by our big window out overlooking our backyard and I'll just stand there like I have conquered the lawn with all the lines that I have put into the lawn. Why do we do that? Because that's the way God has created us. What do you enjoy creating? What do you enjoy making? Whatever it is. Do more of that. Number three, find a hobby to enjoy the world God gave you. Find a hobby to enjoy the world God gave you. Few things are more enjoyable than than listening to the sound of a thunderstorm or watching a rainbow streak across the sky. This is one of the reasons that Caden and I have taken up camping really over the last year, almost the last ten months, We've enjoyed camping together. We were camping a few weeks ago up in the northern part of West Virginia. And we were standing, I was about waist deep in the south branch of the Potomac River. We were fishing. Caden was standing beside me. He was fishing. Of course, he's a lot smaller than me, so basically it was up to his neck. And all of a sudden, he tapped me. I felt him tap me here on the leg. And I look over, and he's standing there at attention. He's like he's saluting something. I was like, buddy, what are you doing? And he pointed up, and right above us, there was this bald eagle flying. And of course, I had to humor him because he made sure that I stood at attention as well. But that may be one of the first times that he, maybe even me, have seen a bald eagle. We were enjoying the world that God had created. This is why the psalmist wrote, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good This is why he wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies show his handiwork. Let me encourage you this week to read John 21. In John 21, we have one one of the last things that Jesus does on earth before he ascends into heaven. What is it? Well, in John 21, Jesus makes a fire on the beach. He invites his disciples to come off the lake And to come onto the beach, and he fixes them fresh fish and fresh bread for breakfast. Now, I've heard a number of scholars try to explain the theological significance of that breakfast. And maybe there is some theological significance. But could it be that there is no theological significance? Could it be that Jesus just likes fresh fish and fresh bread for breakfast on the beach? You know, could it be that God just loves his creation? Whatever hobby that you enjoy, that helps you enjoy the world that God created, let me encourage you as your pastor, do more of that. Do more of that and see it as a gift from God. Number four, find a hobby to enjoy the people God gave you. Just about everything I've mentioned so far can be done with other people. And, and so sometimes the best way to enjoy hobbies is with the people that God has put into our lives. So let me encourage you. If, if it's totally okay for you to have hobbies that only you can do. Totally okay. But I also want to encourage you, if, you, if you're married, find out what hobbies your spouse enjoys and pick one of those and, and try to do that with your spouse occasionally. Watch what interest, what love it will communicate. Your children, find out what your children love to do. It may be something that you absolutely despise. It may be something that you've never been interested in, but find the hobby that they enjoy and watch what happens when they see you invest in them. One of the things that grandparents tell me from time to time is that they lament the fact that their grandchildren don't want to spend time with them any longer. And I understand that's one of the realities of life. And one day, I'll, by God's grace, I'll be in that position. But you know, I have noticed the difference between the grandparents who stay connected to their grandchildren and the grandparents who don't. Often the grandparents who do, it's because they find out what hobbies the grandkids want to do and they study and invest in those hobbies. So instead of telling their grandkids they've got to do what they want them to do, they serve their grandchildren and invest and have opportunities to speak into their lives. Find a hobby to enjoy the people God gave you. And finally and lastly, find a hobby to enjoy God himself. Find a hobby to enjoy God Himself. I'm reminded of Eric Little. Eric Little was a gold medalist in the 1924 Olympics, as depicted in the video or the film, 1981 film, Chariots of Fire. But he went on to be a great missionary to China. And I love what Little writes. He says this, I believe God made me for a purpose, but He also made me fast. And when I run I feel his pleasure. Where do you feel the pleasure of God? What kind of hobbies, what kind of recreation causes you to take a deep breath and just experience the goodness of God? Whatever hobby that is, do it more. Whatever hobbies that provoke that in your soul, do them more often. You say, why? Well, it goes back to our big idea. Because sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have a hobby. Our text is reminding us. Our text is inviting us to that. Now, in a message like this, you might be thinking to yourself, Matt, is God really that interested? Is God really that interested in the physical world? And the answer is emphatically, absolutely yes. The greatest evidence that God is involved and that God is interested in the physical world can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, became an embodied human being. He became fully human to save humans. He became part of His creation to save creation. What kind of flesh did Jesus have? The kind that learns to walk as a toddler, that goes through puberty, that grows armpit hair, that has a ring finger longer than his index finger. Jesus' parables and even Jesus' occupation as a carpenter, he reminds us that he loved the physical world. Jesus' teaching material drew from carpentry and farming, and fishing, and flowers, and birds, and baking, and money, and workplace politics. Maybe think about if soccer or football existed in Jesus' day. Would Jesus have played? Most likely, he would have. I'm convinced he wouldn't have played golf because there's no way to play golf and not sin. But there's a number. Jesus was fully human. I love what he says in Matthew 11, 19. The God-man, Jesus, made time for long dinners so that he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. And then Jesus the carpenter was nailed to a cross. Jesus died the death that you and I should have died. He paid the price that you and I should have paid. And he rose from the grave to give you eternal life. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian, believe in Christ. But if you are a Christian, trust Christ with your life. So much so that you can take some time off to enjoy hobbies and recreation. You say, Matt, why? Why is this such a big deal? This is why it's a big deal, because sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have a hobby. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media.